Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview Principal Ra, who's also known as the Revolutionary Principal. He's built and founded University Pathways Public Service Academy, and as a principal, he's founded one of the most highly regarded schools in the area by both students and parents. Principal Ra's revolutionized the way he approaches education, and because of that, he's also transformed the way he supports his teachers. Make sure you listen to the entire interview and hear Principal Ra's advice for teachers who are feeling burnt out and also how administrators can help support you. Hi, Principal Ra. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. How are you feeling? I'm good. Do you want me to call you Principal Ra or do you want me to go with your first name? Nah, Principal Ra is good. Okay, perfect. I have been following you on Instagram for a while and your story has just impressed me so much. And I wanted to just hear a little bit about you personally, your background and how you became a principal. All right. Well, I guess it starts from my upbringing. I come from a family of educators. My father was a activist in Compton. He he helped build the Long Beach State program. He helped like establish the Black Studies Department program. I'm the youngest of six. I bear the same name as my father, but I did not want to come into, I did not want to go into education. You know, uh, growing up in the city, you just you figure the two ways to beat poverty or to change your circumstances was unfortunately you felt like you either was going to be a rapper. And I know so many people say it, but you're going to be a rapper. So I rapped. Are you going to pick up a ball? So I picked up both football and basketball. And I thought that that was going to be the way I can buy my mom a house. I had it all laid out. I was going to play football, go play for the Dallas Cowboys. And the rest was history. Um no, I didn't. I didn't have a talent. I tore my knee ligament. I had a scholarship offered to Tuskegee in Alabama. Uh, missed that opportunity. Forget, gave up on kind of rapping. Uh, no, that wasn't the way. And but I always was a motivator and somebody who wanted everybody to better their best since I was in elementary. And I guess that was always my hidden treasure. So I ended up becoming a paraprofessional, a special ed assistant. And I, I remember like yesterday, I was teaching a class. And the math teacher sat down and, and, and while I was teaching the class and I asked him, how much how much you making? He was like, man, I'm making about sixty five thousand. I'm like, wait, I'm making fourteen dollars an hour. There's a I need to go get my seabed. Let me go get my life together. So uh, I ended up teaching, fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I started young as 20, 20 years old. I started teaching. And then next thing you know, I was a dean of students at twenty four. Then a, a, a assistant principal at 26 and then became a founding principal at 29. And my whole purpose is to revolutionize the educational experience uh, for black and brown students in which where I come from, you know, that mainly first is where I come from. 
uh, Watson, Compton, and then uh, hopefully, you know, make an impact across the nation. Yeah, that was one thing that really stood out is how you've transformed the way that you serve your students. You, you've got a really unique style of um, even the curriculum that you're asking your students to go through. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, my, my academic philosophy is, is based in relationships, relevance, and rigor. Uh, which, which is what I, what I feel and what I believe. Um, I also have my personal values in regards founded in what's called the Nguzo Saba, which are seven principles that I live by. And when you have this, uh, it, it goes by a Sankofa principle, meaning that to know where you're going, to know where you're going, you have to remember where you came from. Uh, so if I want my students to know where they're going and to achieve self-actualization, they need what's called sacred knowledge. And sacred knowledge is not just sacred knowledge in regards of who who they who they are, but their community, their family, but also America, and also like economic, like all these things are tied together uh, for sacred knowledge. Sacred knowledge, so they know who they are in context of the world, so they know where they where they're going. So that's important for me uh, for all my babies here at my school. And students are going through so much this school year. Um, right. Just. Um, you know, I hate the word unprecedented right now, but <laughs> the nature of what students are having to deal with really has an emotional toll on them. Is there yeah. anything that you've been doing to help support your students emotionally? Absolutely. I mean, that's that is achieving self-actualization under Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So you have to think of everything in context to how can I ensure the welfare of my students. So some things that we do at our school uh, during this virtual environment, luckily we had a virtual presence with our kids on social media and different outlets, like all social media platforms. We had a great community that because we started our school with having a great social media platform for our, for our babies. But we just wrapped up before this interview, we just wrapped up a, a school wide like contest in regard to just coming in, speaking, having a little fun. Uh, uh, and enjoy. We like literally dance to Thriller while just trying to put joy on our kids' face. Um, prior to that, uh, one of our one of our teachers, well, actually several of our teachers, hosted a, a school wide mindfulness where we invited the whole entire school and our teachers got on the floor and yoga and did mindfulness. And kids were able to speak their truth about the uh, the travesties that's been happening um, in regards of what they've been seeing. Uh, on, on public display. So they had an opportunity to spread their voice with no judgment, right? Prior to that, we had a healing, collective healing virtual summit where our partner organization, Los Angeles Educational Partnership, hosted for our kids just for them to speak about the changes that they want, but also about their self in regards of their mental wealth and the things that they're struggling with right now and not to ask for solutions, but to speak it to our, our energy and speak it to our world, to speak it out. And sometimes just speaking it out in a non-judgmental way uh, is healing. It's healing for a lot of people. So uh, those are a few things that we've done with our babies. Yeah, I think one thing that happens a lot is people think that, you know, venting is therapeutic, which it absolutely is. But venting also needs to come with um, self-reflection on what I can do, what actionable what actions can I take to also move towards where I want to be? And I love that you've been doing mindfulness because I think that's one of the most actionable ways you can help support stress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, mindfulness, inspiring. Uh, I mean, literally while we're doing this, I have a shirt on that says inspire or retire. Um, and that's that's something that I feel 
as a principal and as a leader, as a teacher, something I always wanted to do was in, inspire, um, inspire my students for absolute greatness and absolute excellence. Um, in order to do that, I have to peel back the layers of what's underneath the surface. Like we all have like these these struggles that we 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 are uh, in constant conflict with. No matter no matter what, like we all have them. And it's like, what do you do? What do you do to try to support that? And we believe uh, there's a principal that I met from Newark, New Jersey, that that spread this uh, love. L O V E is off of living off village energy. And when she said that to me, that's something that we adopted here at our school is like, how can we live? How can we thrive off of a village energy? Which meaning if we all do a little, no one person has to do a lot when it comes to supporting the mental wealth of our, our of our young people. I think that that's a great transition into why I primarily brought you here. So your school's a huge family and students are why we all do this. You know, the right. student relationship and helping students achieve is why every teacher goes into it. But we all know that, you know, a teacher's emotional state will impact the way that they interact and they serve those mm -hmm. students and teachers. Frankly, right now, they're not doing well. There is a lot on their plate. There is a lot of external pressures and things that they can't control and they're very overwhelmed and I want to yeah. ask you some questions from a leadership perspective, because I know this is something that you feel so strongly about. Some administrators who even follow me and say that they just stay for fly on the wall advice. And I wanted you to speak to both teachers and administrators here. So how do you suggest that administrators listen and open up to teachers' concerns? How do you approach that? You know, one thing I do at, at, at my school that I really find powerful when it comes to like self-care, but also I'm a servant to my teachers. That's how I look at this role. Like I work for my teachers. They don't work for me. Right. Um, and what I do is what's, what's called one-on-ones. And I, and I have a one-on-one -on -one with my, I mean, not just my teachers, but my entire staff. And some of the questions I ask is, you know, what are the things that they, what are the things that you are doing that you love doing that gets your mind off of this work? Right. And what can I do as a principal to support you for making sure that those things get done? Because if those are the things that they love to do that drives them outside of teaching, that will make them their best self. So I want them to be their best self in front of young people. So why wouldn't I try to make sure that they, they have that time? So that means that now it's like, hey, Sometimes I need you to go home and not be working on your lesson plan over the weekend. Sometimes I need you to say like, hey, go do that hiking trip. Sometimes I'm saying, hey, have you took two days off for your just mental wealth? Because it's quality over quantity. So one-on-one -on -one meetings is a great way to get an indication and get an energy from teachers to say like, where are they at? Where are they at on their mission, their personal mission? And I feel like as a principal, we should be facilitators of educators through the journey of completing their mission. So if they have a mission of not just having the greatest math scores, but have a mission that's beyond a test or beyond data, then it's my job and my role as a principal to, to, to set the stage and get the distractions out the way, right? Um, and yeah, that means sometimes as a principal, you're that, you're that shoulder for a teacher to cry on. And, and, but you also have to be aware of the vicarious trauma that, that exists with teachers and with just being an educator. So if you understanding that, we have to not only be trauma-informed with our students, 
as teachers and teacher leaders and principals, we must be trauma-informed with the vicarious trauma that our teachers hold with trying to save kids and transform students. So it's important for us to have one-on-one strategies to support that. It's important for us to take a step back and have paid PD where it's truly about self-care. And what I mean by that is bringing in somebody, like if people say, if, if you're a principal and you're listening to this, if you say that you are for the well-being of your staff, how much money have you invested in it? Yeah. How much money have you invested in having PDs for self-care? I've literally paid my teacher to come in on a Saturday so we can do yoga together. And I and just to let you know, I am six foot two, uh, about 300 pounds. I'm, I don't care about no yoga. I don't care about no yoga. But I will do some yoga and I'll stretch my hamstrings out if it means that my 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 teachers can be the best in front of young people. I don't mind stretching almost pulling a hamstring if my teachers can be the best in front of young people. I don't like hiking, but I'll go on a hike if it means that my teachers can be the best in front of young people. So I think that those are strategies that you could bring a little joy for teachers to make them want to feel connected to this crowd. teachers who are listening who have amazing administrators who may have just never thought about self-care professional development do you have any yeah. uh, suggestions for them on how to find those types of opportunities in their area yeah absolutely I think I think before before that I think it's important to to build the organizational culture first before you jumping into that because uh, I mean quite honest one of the I didn't want to be a principal I just wanted to be the best teacher but I was I was a teacher that was involved in a toxic toxic learning environment not a learning environment for kids necessarily but a learning environment for adults we didn't treat each other right it was a balconized culture I mean you had the teachers over here that only worked with each other they didn't care about what was going on over there it was just a, it was what I call it the four wall school. Everybody only cared about what ha- was happening in their four walls and everything outside of it didn't matter. And that drove me to say, wait, wait, this is wrong. And that made me want to be a principal. So if you're a teacher out there, I want you to do what's called a school environmental scan first. What is the temperature of your school? What like what does it feel like? Do you feel like there's a lot of love in that on, on your campus? Do you feel like you're right there? There's three things that you're at. Are you a building school? Are you in a turnaround? Are you in a startup? Right? Like this is important for you to first know. And then the second thing, if you're a teacher leader and you're working with a principal that's like, hey, they're they're really awesome. And I want to, maybe we can level up. There's a, there's a thing that you can do called manage your boss. And when you manage that, you can now bring ideas to the forefront that is welcoming. Right. There's strategies you can do that's welcoming because you don't want the principal to feel like now they get defensive because these ideas are coming. And then second, I would say look for team building uh, organizations. You can Google team building organizations, team building corporations uh, that are in your area. They have all kind of things. But also you got to have a vision of thinking outside the box. Maybe you guys go and do uh, 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 what's that when you go. I always want to do this with my staff, so that's what I'm saying. It's uh, the escape room, right? Just different things that brings family. See, the difference between my school and probably other schools is there's principals that say, hey, I'm trying to build a team. And then there's a school that said we're trying to build a family. 
And when I say that family, it doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're going to birthdays all the time. But what it means is that it feels like a family. It feels like you could you can argue, you can cry, you can love, you can teach. A team means that, you know what, we need not, we're trying to keep that stuff out of this and just focus on your job. And there's a major difference between the two, right? Yeah. So. No, I absolutely agree. One of the first things that I tell people who reach out to me and say that they're thinking of leaving teaching is I ask them to think of these three different questions. Would changing grade levels, schools, or districts maybe help you love teaching again? And if you don't know the answer, you need to start exploring those opportunities as well, because sometimes it is just a culture fit of maybe one principal just has a harder time giving you autonomy and you've expressed your concerns and um, they're not hearing those types of concerns or you're just not working well in that environment, but it might not mean that teaching isn't the right position for you. That is absolutely facts. Uh, it, it, it's, it's similar. I, I went to, in one of my programs, uh, I never forget it. You know, they, they call it 31 flavors, Baskin Robbins for a reason. Right. And if you apply that to, to the school, the 31 flavors, what it means is that it's like, maybe that school or maybe that circumstance or your situation is just not your flavor. It doesn't mean that you don't like ice cream. It doesn't mean that you, it's a, it just means that that's not the right environment. And sometimes you have to really evaluate the situation. And sometimes you have to disconnect in order to reconnect, right? And it's only only you as that teacher could look and evaluate your situation to determine what are the triggers? What is, what is my mission? I think ask, ask these critical questions to yourself. What is my mission as an educator? Is my current role helping me fulfill my mission as an educator. And, and when I say mission, I'm not speaking, oh man, I really want to, I really want to get to this uh, standardized test score for this year, which your school probably have. What I mean is, what is your role for the young people you serve? What is the impact that you're trying to have? And is your current role in the environment that you have with your principal, your leadership, are they impeding the progress of your mission? If those, if the answers to your question, though those questions will direct you to where you need to be to fulfill that. Also, I want to add is this: is see sometimes as educators we get so caught up with being that we want to make an impact in front of young people, and you can make an impact with young people in many different ways. Being a teacher is a great way. But there's multiple ways to serve your impact and to serve your mission. Yeah. And you have to be able to, you know, differentiate between those to between those things. Uh, but this work is hard. I think we all go through the highs and lows and the peaks and the valleys of being an educator. That, that's why I always quote Dipsy Hustle. This thing is a marathon. And, and you, you, you really want to pace yourself um, with that. So, but sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, but just to add on what you were saying is, you know, if you went into this job 100%, you wanted to impact your community, you wanted, you went into it with a good heart, you can continue to impact your community, even if you decide to leave for whatever reason you decide to leave. I, 
after I left teaching, I started working with one of the nonprofit organizations here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where we do creative writing workshops for students. So nice. there's um, everyone who goes into this, it doesn't just escape them where they forgot why they went into it. They all, we all have that same, the bones are all the same with us. Yeah. Can I, can I add this too? I think some, some so much time in, in as teachers and educators, we, we are told to like, we're, we're supposed to stop dreaming. We're supposed to, we're supposed to teach and stop dreaming. We're dreamers too. We're teaching young people how to dream. It doesn't mean you sacrifice your own dreams. And if your dreams is to continue to impact and scale your impact, reach for your dreams. And then ask yourself, is the school, is the leadership trying to support my dreams? My dreams is to to not only impact my classroom, but I'm also have, you know, maybe your impact is like, I want to be an instructional coach. I want to also have an impact with with the classroom for other teachers. Well, ask yourself, is the leadership there supporting my future impact that I want to have? Hey, I want to have an impact on a macro level with helping the county or help whatever these things. These affect and impact young people. And I think it's important to ask yourself some critical questions uh, because everybody wants to be great. And but not everybody wants to do what greatness requires. And I think it's really important for a teacher's dream that you do what's required for you to fulfill your dream. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to switch gears just a second because I know everybody listening right now is probably wishing that you were their principal. So we're going to go (laughs) back. I, I sincerely mean that you, the, one of the reasons why I brought you on is I can just tell how much you care about education and the community and how much of your heart you pour into this position. So I knew you were the perfect person to come on and and talk about some of these big concerns that teachers are having right now. Um, When it comes to the unrealistic expectations that might be put on teachers right now, Mm -hmm. how do you suggest, um, how do you suggest that teachers approach those concerns when talking to administrators? And how do you suggest from a leadership perspective, you address those concerns with teachers too, if it's something coming from a district level? Yeah, like this, this is, um, this like, it's it's almost, depending on where you're at, it's like a tug of war, especially right now, right? It's a tug of war with this, like, I would say the arbitrary theory of like not grades and like all these unreal, like you have districts like, Hey, I want you to call every student every day. I want you to teach virtually. I want you to teach in person. And then God forbid, if you like somebody who has kids, you're teaching your kids late at night and then you don't find no time for yourself. Depending on where you're at in the country, you're quarantined. It's a lot for our educators right now. And if you're a principal listening, you have to take that in consideration. You cannot, you cannot go neglecting the fact that your educators are superheroes. They're superhumans. But don't forget that they're human. You know, and what that means is that you can't be thinking that they can do the impossible. We do the impossible every day as educators, but this is some things that we have to take care of for ourselves. So I would say first, I'm gonna start with our principles. First thing, you have to pick, you have to make a firm decision on where you stand at in regards of history and your beliefs. 
And this is on a macro. I'm not talking about just test scores. It's beyond a test score. What is your philosophy for young people and your teachers? So for example, at my school, our philosophy and my philosophy is, is what's called the micro unit of change. I want to make sure my teachers are first at a safe place mentally, physically, and spiritually so they can be the best for the kids, right? So in order to do that, I cannot put as, all the stress on them. What can I do to take stress off their plate and it's quality over quantity, right? Because you're like, hey, call call home, call home, call home, call home. And then now that teacher is, now they're in front of young people hating, hating their profession. And when a teacher hates waking up and they don't have that joy, it's going to be felt in the young people's minds in, in the lessons. So what can you take off the plate for teachers? What is really important? What is the priority? Is your priority trying to get the math score or is your priority making sure the safe and well-being and the engagement is first there? So what types of things would you take off of a teacher's plate specifically? So, for example, one thing that we take off the teacher's plate is making sure that like for attendance taken. I said, I told my teachers right now, I want y'all to focus on engagement. Engagement is our number one priority right now. The reason why engagement is my number one priority is because we have students out there that, well, I, have, I had a student that I lost not too long ago that completed the act of suicide. I have students out there that are struggling with their self-management, emotional regulation, and self-efficacy. The, the question I ask all, all, everyone, what does equity look like when 90% of your students are black and brown? What does equity look like? So I take that off and I said, look, I want you to focus on engagement. I want you to focus on your passion with working with young people right now. I don't want you to focus on a test score. Don't focus like and, and some teachers are they still they still are upholding this test. I don't want you to I can care less about the test score. I can care less about what is inequitable anyways in its foundation. So don't worry about that. So let me take that off, and that's a relief. Second. When they're calling, hey, I'm stressed out, raw about the, the kids are not showing up. The kids are not showing up. I tell them, take a deep breath. Go have a glass of wine. It's going to be all right. We're doing the best we can. We're going to do all we can while we can, but not at the that the risk and the state of your own well-being. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Next thing, I don't, I don't ask them to turn in lesson plans weekly that I know I'm not even going to have time to check as a principal. I believe in my teachers as professionals. I believe in the professional ethics, the ethical leadership in me. It means that when I hire people, I believe in their ethical obligation to provide for young people. I'm not, I'm not in the business of micromanaging professionals. Do I hold them accountable? Absolutely. But I don't feel that I need to put teachers in a position to micromanage them because if they're following their mission and I'm helping them along their mission, they're going to do it inherently. That takes a lot of stress off of them. The next thing I do is not what I take off their plate, it's what I put on their plate. What I put on my teacher's plate is a lot of love. What I put on my teacher's plate is when they need something, I'm available and I'm approachable. What I put on their plate is money, paying them for their time. I pay my teachers almost any time. If I had the money and I creatively budget, I pay them for their time. Where other principals will look at it as volunteer. I pay them for it. Because their time is their value. And their value is what I value. So why not pay them for it? 
These things help teachers during the, during this crisis right now. And I know I go on on a tangent, but those are a few things I put on my teacher's plate. Um, and I think they love eating it up. I think they do. I think they do. Um, I'm afraid that you're saying that you went on a tangent. I go on tangents and I edit them out. But this is a tangent that every teacher is probably shaking their fist and screaming, yes, as they're listening to it. So your tangent will stay. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. Can I add though? I think I think going back to 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 these lessons, going back to the philosophy, um, I think it's so important to to ask school leaders and ask if you're a teacher at a school, what like really peel back the layers. What the heck are we doing in regards to what is our end game for young people? If you're elementary, what is our goal here, right? And what met like if you're measuring right now. Can you measure what matter? Like really what matters? And I think those conversations have to happen. And and I tell people right now, uh you can't you can't call yourself and I don't know your platform, but uh for me, uh my platform is revolutionizing education. I believe we have we believe in revolutionary educators and this is a mindset that we have inequities in our system. Not just with our students, we have inequities on how we treat our teachers. We have inequities for how our teachers are paid. We have an economical gap and economical justice that, that we have to address. And I feel like a lot of principals in that role feel like they, they're hands off with it. And my philosophy is what can I do on a micro level at my school so my teachers know that I believe that there is an economic injustice in regards of how women are paid because it's a women-dominated profession, how women are paid in education. So you know what? I am going to pay my teachers. That is why. I, I believe in the why. So my teachers know why I do what I do. I pay them because I believe that there's an injustice in how women are paid in nursing and in teaching. I believe that the grading system is inequitable to people, students of color across the nation. So we have to address that. I also believe that there's inequities in how students get into college. So to have these belief systems and bring them forward, not, not saying this is an indoctrine, what I'm saying is that you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything or you'll fall in a trap of continuing the system of oppression for teachers and suppression for teachers that cause mental breakdown, mental, what I call mental stripping of the dollar, like in a sense of mental brokenness, right? For for a lot of teachers in toxic environments and toxic or organizational cultures. The reason that I think so many teachers are so frustrated and they start to feel resentful for the position is they realize they're kind of trapped in this really hard to get out of contract and they're told you know that they're only allowed to apply for other positions during this window or this window and there's intimidation track um there's intimidation tactics if they try to leave within the school year which i 100 understand how that impacts students but if your health is at stake or if financially you're not able to take care of your mortgage and your family and another opportunities presented to you what other jobs do that? And we say it's always, you know, um, it's for the students, for the students. But right. when somebody is 
really resentful of the position that they're in, they're not going to be an impactful teacher. They're not going to be that efficient teacher, that principals, that schools, that students need. Facts. Facts. I mean, I mean, the reality is this, like teaching is one of the only professions that they, they, that the system, I'm not going to say they, I, I have a little thing about the story of they, uh, but the system or they um, try to require or try to make you feel bad for valuing your time. You should come in and just do this voluntarily. You should just come in and work your butt off voluntarily. You should come in. There should like like those things exist. And I think I'm a firm believer in school leadership. Not just because I'm a principal, it's because I'm a teacher. If you ask any one of my teachers, I still teach a class. Like I teach a class one day a week. Not not because of it is because uh, two things. I want to feel connected to my kids because I'm a teacher. Second is because I never want to forget what it's like to be a classroom teacher. Although I'm a teacher, I'll always be a teacher, but there's the operation and the environmental factors of having to take attendance. Like yeah. there's principals out there that are stressing teachers out because they are late with attendance or because they didn't turn in attendance. And I think my own little research, some of the best teachers are those who forget their attendance because you know what? They're teaching, right? And I think it's really, we have to we have to shift how we take care of our teachers. Hey, principal, are you advocating for your teachers to get paid? Are you advocating for your teachers to, to take time off? That lesson, listen, I'm telling you, I go deep with this because I see so many people stressed out about my lesson plans, lesson plans. You know what? You can have the best lesson plan in the world. It don't mean that it's a great lesson. Yeah. You can, principal, you can do all those different things, but it means nothing if your teacher is struggling mentally, physically, emotionally. So the strategies, and I, I will sit here and say that every organizational culture is different. I can tell you what I do at my school because I have a tight relationship with my staff. So I know what works and I know what don't work with my staff. It doesn't mean that it works with you because, you know, you just got to, you got to get to know the relationship of your staff. Like every family is different. Like I'm sure Daphne, you have traditions in your family that you may do for the holiday season. I have traditions. So what's the tradition at your school for self-care? What's the tradition that you personally do with your staff? And I know what many principals do. They're thinking about, well, I got 65, 70, 80 teachers. How can I do that, Raw? Well, guess what? You probably have a few APs. You gotta, you gotta make sure that it's distributive leadership, and you do the best you can. And if you're a teacher going through this, do not. You're not any less of a teacher because you think about your well-being first. You're not any less of a teacher. One thing that I wish that principals and professional development would focus more on, and maybe it's gotten to that point, and I, I've missed it, but how to make teachers' jobs easier through, you know, automation or outsourcing, where I remember the professional development that I took as a teacher and it felt kind of redundant or how to read this or how to read that. But when it came to managing my time and getting things done efficiently, I was on my own. And that's where the main struggle was. You stay till five, six, seven PM. Oh and and no one really teaches you or builds solutions to value your time to be able to walk away quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's that's the temperature, right? That's the temperature check at your school. Like I tell you right now, not, not and you guys, my staff, ninety five percent of the time, if I'm here 
And I'm seeing my teacher here at five, six o'clock. I'm like, hey, get out of here. What are you doing? Go, go, go do something for yourself. Get out of here. Why do I do that? Because it's very, us as teachers, we love what we, most teachers love what they do. They love, they love making an impact for young people. So for us, for those who are mission-driven educators, we have, we have the ability to pour in so much into our students that we don't refill ourselves. You know what I mean? And we need somebody over us to make sure that we are refilling our cup because pouring from an empty well leaves your kids eventually empty. You know what I mean? So I think you as a teacher, when you're talking about this, us as, like you want to be creative. Um, some things I do with, with my staff is, you know, I, I personalize their professional development because it's their mission. Yes, we have a mission as a school, but I want you to fulfill it. And then I help curate the path for that. So if you're like, hey, well, if you're here doing all these lessons, I'm going to sit here and ask you, why? Tell me a little bit more on uh, how, how we could get away from you being here at 5 o'clock. And if you're a teacher and you're like, man, I wish my leader would do this, then hit me up. I'll send you an article on how you can start paraphrasing your way to having better leadership from, from, your, from your team. And the, the, the power of paraphrasing could communicate the supports that you need for your well-being. That actually leads to my very final question, which is you summed it up a little bit perfectly, but what would be the first piece of advice that you would give other teachers who need support with helping shape their school? All right, cool. All right, I'm going to start first with a few things. One is, if hey, teacher, if you're out there right now, take a deep breath. Don't forget, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This is an extraordinary time. I know you said unprecedented at first, but this is an extraordinary time. And I think so many of us as educators, we are expecting our ordinary results in an extraordinary time, right? And what it means is that there's teachers that are struggling because it's like, I'm usually good at this. I'm usually, my kids get this standard. Or usually I have a, B, and C done, and we have, we're here, and we're so much creatures of habit. Like, usually by November, we're doing this and this, and we're behind. I don't have, and, and I want you to take a step back and understand and take a deep breath that your ordinary results have been impacted because of an extraordinary time. So don't make yourself feel any worse, like making you feel ineffective. Because that's the that's what that's what people feeling right now, right? They're feeling like they're ineffective. They're feeling like they're no longer making an impact. They feel like they can't be who they felt like they were supposed to be in this environment. And what I'm, I'm trying to, or when I'm hope that I'm communicating with this person, because I know somebody out there need to hear it, is that you are still that super superhuman teacher, but you are human, right? And I think that's really, 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 really important. And I was going off on that. So but help me remind me with your question, though. <laughs> well, no, I think you answered it perfectly. The second part of that question is what advice would you give to admin principals who are struggling right now and really need to change direction, change paths and make sure that their teachers feel supported? You, you, first thing you got to ask, what is your belief system? What, what do you believe in? 
right? During a pandemic, right? And I'm we just talking a lot about just shutdowns with the pandemic, but let make no doubt about it. We have been in a pandemic for 400 years with the injustices in a system, right? So how about now pivoting for what you believe in? This is an opportunity. Look at this as an opportunity to revolutionize your culture at your school. Yeah. And what if you're that's that's one thing as a principal. Ask yourself, what is your what is your belief system? And this is tapping into the, your your academic and educational soul as a principal. Like, are you that principal that's like, hey, we we are just here to try to get kids to college, right? Or are you here for kids to find their purpose and for your teachers to find their purpose so that that will be the driving factor for if they go to college or be a productive citizen in the society? Second, right? You cannot, as a principal, like, and I would say I was stressed out and continue to stress. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't got this thing all put together. But I will say this. I struggle because I'm a human connector. I thrive off a of human connection as an educator and as a principal. I miss my staff. I miss my students. I miss the vibes that we bring to the, to the school. So I, I was struggling with my impact. And I was like, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can continue to do this. I, 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 I'm losing hope. And every day that went by, you know, I'm, I'm as a principal, you're just getting bombarded with emails. Hey, principal, I know you are. You're getting bombarded with emails from districts, everybody, everything just changing. Two seconds is this, three seconds is that. And now you're just a glorified manager. And you're like, I didn't come into this to be a manager. I came in this to impact young people. And, and, and I don't want to neglect principals who feel like they want to leave. And, I, and I'm saying this is as a principal, I got I, my high was human connection. But what I had to do is take similar to the advice I gave teachers is I had to take a step back. And my high, I had to say hi to my high, but no longer chase it. Because when I felt that I was chasing my high and I was on a treadmill that I couldn't make stop. And I was getting exhausted. I was I was pouring myself into an empty in, empty well, and I wasn't there for my family. I wasn't there for myself. Just a depression. And I say that you have to unite, unity. That's one big principle. Start collecting other principles and other educators to say we are going to be each other's support system. Hey, teacher, identify your support system. Three people, and not. A, a venting support system, a constructive, effective, critical friend or critical friends. That's your support system for principals and teacher. Principal, make this a priority at your school to say we are creating this or we're leveraging this moment to create a movement of collective healing and collective progress. So we are each other's critical friend. Uh, I think those are important because teachers principals and educators across the nation we are the centerpiece and i put it too i put it i put it on my twitter not too long ago well, our lives our livelihood is at the centerpiece while the world is figuring out how to command inner peace so it's important for us to 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 unite uh, and have collective work and responsibility through through this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I I wholeheartedly believe that 
on the opposite end of this, we will all come out stronger and better with whatever, you know, self-realization we have to go through. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yep. Principal Ra, you are changing education. I really believe that. And I feel so grateful to have this opportunity to share your story, to share your advice with my audience. Where can they connect with you? Oh, no, thank you. So, so first and foremost, um, Instagram at Principal Raw, R-A-H-H, is at Principal Raw. Uh, That's where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at at Principal Raw and Facebook at Principal Raw. Um, I I give free workshops every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I have a six-part series right now around uh, trauma-informed practices and restorative justice practices. The first part is starting this Sunday at 5 p.m. I'm also giving a, a free workshop on um, overcoming systemic racism that will be coming out in about maybe a week or so. And then uh, absolutely, you know, uh, I have a new book that will be dropping a tentative tentative date is December 30th. December 30th, um, the Revolutionary School Culture will be coming out. And it's the six principles on how to unlock your school's hidden treasure. Um, And that's coming out December 30th. And December 30th is a special day because it is the fifth day of Kwanzaa. And Kwanzaa, the fifth day of Kwanzaa is Nia. Nia means purpose. And I challenge everyone to find their purpose, Uh, not just their passion, but their purpose in life. And I found my purpose and I wanted to release my book on a day of purpose for me uh, to make an impact in education. And um, but yeah, that's 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 what that's what it's all about. Well, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. A huge thank you to our guest, Principal Raw, for inspiring everyone listening. If you're looking to connect with him and hear more of his advice, find his information in this episode's show notes. As always, please make sure you subscribe to stay tuned and leave a review to help other teachers find the support and community. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast.